Hey, everybody. I'm Jen Garrett, and I've used my Move the Ball system to help thousands of people to think and execute like a pro athlete when it comes to business and branding. Now, I'm on a mission to help you utilize the same tools and strategies to elevate your hustle and get you across the goal line. So get ready. It's time to suit up, to show up, and to move the ball. Hey, everyone. Jen Garrett here. It's great to be back with you for another episode of Move the Ball. If this is your first time listening, welcome. And if you've been a part of the Move the Ball movement for quite some time, welcome back. I'm glad that you are here with us today. As you all know, on this podcast, we talk about business, branding, sports, and of course, how to move the ball. This episode is part of my special Behind the Pros trainer series, where I'm interviewing performance trainers who coach professional and college athletes, get players ready with workouts in the off-season and with combine-specific training, and who just help athletes to perform at a higher level. I wanted to incorporate this series into the podcast because whether you are a pro athlete or an all-star player in the game of life, we all need coaches and trainers to help us to advance, to move the ball, and to reach that next level both on and off the field. So for today's episode, I've got one of Baton Rouge's finest trainers with me. Well, he's based in Baton Rouge, but he's always on the road training guys, and he's someone who definitely knows how to help his athletes improve their performance and stay competitive at an elite level. Inside the huddle with us today, and ready to share his insights and his experience, is Ken Anio. Ken is a former college football player and coach who currently is a trainer, and he has trained hundreds of athletes, ranging from professional athletes to youth athletes, helping them to take their performance to that next level. Some of the NFL guys that Ken has worked with are Russell Gage, Patrick Queen, and Danny Johnson. Ken, welcome to the show. Thanks you for having me. Well, I appreciate you being here with us today. I'm on the road all the time, and I think you've been traveling more than me. Yeah. That's a lot. Yeah, definitely have a lot of flight miles in these past couple months, man. I- yeah, for sure. So where I want to kick off our conversation today is being someone who played college ball, let's start They're talking around football and being a competitive athlete yourself. So one of the things I like to ask people is, as a competitive athlete, what are some of the lessons and things that you've learned being an athlete that have helped you to be successful, not only on the field, but off the field in life and in business as well? Discipline. You know, I think through through my years, getting connected to those younger athletes and, you know, just taking my time back as an athlete and some of the things that sports instilled in me. I think it teaches a lot of discipline, um, even for young men. You know, I think it is bigger than ball. You know, it's more about life. You know, life lessons are tied to sport. Once we get those kids to understand that perspective, they buy into it a little more um, and they're willing to, you know, listen and open that gate so you can pour into them. Sure. And yeah, I mean, there's so many lessons that you learn from playing sports that go beyond football or whatever sport you're talking about. And people will ask me all the time, you know, Jen, why football? And I'll share with them kind of the story. But by being a student of the game, I mean, there's so many lessons that you learn on how to be successful in anything that you do. And so, I mean, that's why I've always been a sports person. And obviously I write about that in my Move the Ball book. But yeah, I mean, there's just so many lessons you can take away from being a competitive athlete. So as I mentioned, you played college ball at Grambling State. Correct. University. So talk to us about what was your college football experience like for you and share with us what was a memorable time, whether it's during a game or in a practice or just being at the school that really taught you about, okay, this is what I need to do to set myself up to be successful in life. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So I played at Gremlin State from 2005 to 2009. 
I was a part of the national championship in 2008, voted to team captain as a sophomore. So, you know, so I, I enjoyed my time at Grambling, but I do think that it taught me a lot coming from a smaller high school, you know, definitely didn't know what to expect. You know, I didn't really have a, a program that I came from in high school. So just adapt, adapting to college sports, that was pretty different for me. So I had to go in and learn the game all over again from what I thought the game was, you know, so I think Grambling did a great job. I had great coaches, Hall of Fame coach, Rod Broadway, who made the game. It was intense. I kind of look at Grambling at the time as being the Alabama, the HBCUs, you know, because we, you would win games and it didn't feel like you won, you know, because he'll still be riding you. Um, He'll still be correcting mistakes. You could beat a team 54-0 and, you know, he's going to always find areas of improvement. And at the time I didn't understand um, but now that I'm grown and I'm coaching myself, you know, just the expectation. You set that bar and that expectation high. If you're supposed to dominate on all three phases of the game, you know, that's the expectation, you know. So one interception or one force, I mean, one fumble or one turnover that's counted as a negative. He would always say, if we do this against a good team, you know, we won't win, we'll lose. You know, and it's like, well, we won, you know. But then looking back at it, hindsight 2020, that was teaching, having expectation and nothing less. My time at Grambling, I definitely think it was well worth it. I wouldn't change that for nothing. If I could go back to high school and have the LSU Alabama Grambling offer, I think I would want to take that Grambling offer because it taught me a lot about myself. I was able to find myself as a young man um, at Grambling State University. And you bring up a really great point about the standard and holding yourself to a standard. And even if you win a game, you know, 56 nothing or some big lead, it's about holding yourself to that standard. And when you fall short of that standard, it's still identifying those areas that need to be improved. And I, I remember way, way back when I was a kid watching football, that's something that I learned. I didn't understand that. I was like, okay, why is the coach so upset when they won the game? But it was like, to your point, you play a better team and you make those mistakes, you might not win. And so it's about always maintaining whatever standard it is you have. And that's on a football field in life. If you fall short of that standard, it's saying, okay, you know what? I need to work on these little details so that I can meet that standard the next time around. Right, right. I coach youth football. I coach my son's football team. And even though I know his kids is youth sports, me looking at those kids in their eyes and seeing myself back when I was that age and had I had somebody like myself to instill those those same traits in me at an earlier age, it would have definitely helped. So we're winning and we're subbing guys in who don't play a whole lot um, and the same expectations. I'm coaching the little six, seven-year-old who never touches the field when he get a chance to play in a blowout game, coaching him just as hard as I would the senior group, which is my son's group, coaching him just as hard because it's about holding everybody to that same standard. So that's what, that's what I feel the game pretty much taught me. And when you say expectation, expect nothing less. We win, yeah, celebrate it, enjoy it, but we back to practice on Monday. So teaching that at a younger age, I feel, you know, there's a lot of joy into it. I passed up on a lot of college jobs, high school coaching jobs, and I found joy into, in coaching youth sports because I'm reaching them at an early age. Sure, yeah, it's so important to reach them early because that has a long-lasting impact and the opportunity to make a difference earlier on, you know, when they're a young adult or, or into adulthood. So talk to us about your journey. Why did you decide that you wanted to be a trainer? And kind of talk to us about that first year of training. What was that like for you? Training was, wasn't anything that I just dreamed of doing. Coaching was my passion. So I would say I am a trainer, but I'm more so a coach, a mentor. That's what I look at my role as because training is all about getting guys quicker, faster, stronger. 
my philosophy is a whole lot different. Mentally, it's my biggest thing. Um, I like to reach those guys mentally. Um, and if you ever interview any of my guys or, you know, come talk to any of my guys, you're going to find that they're all just like myself. Like, I'm not going to deal with any guy who's not respectful, who don't have good character traits. Like, everybody who I associate myself with are just like myself. And that's why during my training session, you will see pro guys working out with some high school guys. You see pro guys talking to youth guys because that's what it's about. My reason for wanting to get into this field was because me growing up thinking if I, what did I miss out on through my youth? And what I feel I missed out on is having that direct access to somebody who I dreamed of being at that level. Just thinking back to me at eight years old, I love football. You know, I started playing football at four years old. Um, had I had an NFL guy or a college guy that I would, that I could pick up the phone and text or, you know, pull up at a training session and talk to him and ask a couple questions and, even if it's, you know, how's it, how does it feel to run out a tunnel at an LSU? Or how does it feel to run out a tunnel in the NFL game? Just being able to have those questions answered for me, um, I feel that it would have helped me to, you know, not depend on ball so much because, and, and I and I go back to my son. You know, my son is nine years old. He talks to Russell on FaceTime. He texts those guys. He goes out to Russell's house. You know, Danny, Danny comes by the house and watch football with him. You know, so I feel that football to him is, is is a hobby versus something that he's dependent more on. Um, so that was my reason for wanting to do what I do. Um, it started off as me just helping a couple of high school kids and, and those high school kids kept going higher and higher and setting the bar and they started getting scholarships and then they started going pro. I um, mean, it turned into me being, a, you know, known as a trainer. But, you know, overall, if you ask anybody who I deal with, they'll tell you like, you know, more than a trainer to them. And um, it's like a brother relationship. We all family. Sure. And that's really what it's about. I mean, the people that are really successful, it's not just about a transaction, right? You pay me to do X, I do X. It's about building relationships and continuing to support them, however they need support. And those relationships are what provides you with a great opportunity because people are going to recommend you because you're focused on the total relationship, not just, okay, here's the scope of work that I'm going to do. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. And I get a lot of phone calls daily about guys that they all say that I come in highly recommended. And it's like, you know, I'm just doing my job as a as a servant and serving the people. So like you said, when you do those good things, you know, word of mouth is going to travel. I mean, I feel I've been blessed to to be able to touch a lot of young men and help to reshape their focus, even the, their view on sports. That's my stand. Sure. And as you know, I mean, sports is a competitive industry. There's a lot of coaches, a lot of trainers out there. So how you set yourself apart from those is, not only your ability to coach and to train, but it's the relationships that you build and that word of mouth marketing, so to speak, is really going to go far in bringing new clients in and growing your business. Right, right. And I, and I tell you, any trainer, um, I mentor a bunch of trainers as well. Um, I always tell those trainers, you know, never count the amount of people, never count the amount of money because, you know, it's just a byproduct of your services, you know. So I've had times if I have two people show up to a training session, I train those two people as if I had a a full audience, you know, so if it's my, it's my passion to help the next. Um, and I feel that there's so many kids that need people like myself. I'm willing to help and teach anybody what I know to help them to excel, you know, so that's just me as a person. Um, I feel that, you know, in order to make that change, you know, you have to be the change. Sure. And you mentioned being a servant leader. And I mean, that's really what it's about, servant leadership. And that's how you do become successful, not just from a monetary standpoint, but from an impact standpoint. And and that's really why 
coaches and trainers. I mean, it's about, I mean, there are some out there that, that are in that for the money, but there's a lot of them that are genuine and pure. And it's really about the impact and how they can help the people. And I mean, like, even for my own business, I mean, I, I get reached out to all the time from people who are like, Hey, I, you worked with such and such. And they said great things about you. And so I want to work with you too. And I mean, and that makes you feel good too. Cause you know, that you impacted someone in a way that they wanted to share your work with somebody else as well. For sure. So on the podcast, we talk about sports, we talk about business and branding. And, you know, as an entrepreneur, you know, I'm always looking at how I can continue to grow my brand. I know you're looking at how you can continue to grow your brand. What are some of the things that you're doing to let people know about you? Are you doing a lot on social media? Like, just talk to us about kind of how are you growing your business? I mean, at this point, I feel like, you know, because I train over 280 kids plus, not so much of trying to grow the training business. Right now, I find myself um, mentoring because, you know, these guys deal with a lot. Um, these athletes deal with a lot, especially starting getting offers. You know, I have my seven on seven organization. So I invest a lot of time and energy in that. You know, so my focus right now is how could I take my platform and continue to use it to better young men? So, like I said, with my seven on seven organization, you know, I find myself pouring a lot of time into that, traveling with those kids, helping those kids get recruited. Right now, I think we have like 16 kids in our organization with scholarship offers, you know, with a couple more that's on the way. So it's just me just trying to figure out ways that I could continue to bring people up, aspiring coaches. You know, I try to you know, teach them the game, give them opportunity to coach on a 707 deal, help them to get high school jobs. If it's coaches that I know, you know, I try to pass that information forward because my word with a lot of coaches is pretty good. So if I refer a guy, you know, they usually look into it. So I'm just trying to be that person. Oh, I think that's great. So something that I mentioned when I read your bios, I named off a few people that you're training that are currently playing in the league. You mentioned Russell Gage already. And then I mentioned, you know, you mentioned Danny also and Patrick Queen. And so when you look at guys like that, what is it about them in your mind that makes them special and has allowed them to make it to that professional level, which is you know the highest level? I mean, I will say blessed. You know, they're blessed. I mean, you have a lot of talented guys that come through. And not even to say the least that Russ may not have been the most talented guy, but he was blessed to have opportunity to play at that level. You know, you see a lot of guys who didn't make it, who didn't get that opportunity, who was pretty good. Those guys positioned themselves. So when the opportunity came, they took advantage of it. And you see it with Patrick Queen. Patrick didn't come on highly into his, his, his junior year at LSU, you know, late in the season, then had a great run at the end, ended up being a first round draft pick. Now he's one of the best linebackers in the NFL. It's a lot of moving pieces that goes within that formula. But I, me personally, I think it just has to be part of your calling. You know, if God has that blessing for your life, you can't just make it happen. You know, it's a formula to get offers. It's a, it's a formula to get on the field at the, at, the, at the college level. But to stay in the NFL, to make it, I, I tell my son that all the time. I mean, to make it to the NFL is not as hard as staying in the NFL. A lot goes into that pro sports period, you know, just investing in your body, making sure your nutrition is right, making sure you're managing your money, making sure you got the right circle around you. So that's my job. That's my stance with those guys is making sure that those guys are well around and have that right circle around them and making sure that they're staying focused to have longevity in the league. We mentioned some of the NFL guys you train. You train a lot of college guys as well. One of my personal favorites as an Alabama alum is Christian Harris, uh, who's doing great so far this season. And Alabama's obviously doing but oh, there's been some surprises. That Florida game was a little bit closer than I thought oh, it would be. <laughs> they are a good team. To Florida's credit, they are a good team. So when you work with guys like Christian, 
What are some of the things that you really focus on at the college level, aside from the, the technique and being better at the position? What else are you coaching them on? Life, life. You can't make a Christian Harris run faster. You can't, you can't make a Christian Harris get stronger. You can help them with some technical stuff, but the mental aspect is what I, I, I try to focus more on game planning and strategy and you had a bad game in coverage, you know, what do you think the offensive coordinator for the opposing, you know, for the next game, for week two, what you think he's going to do? He's going to try to ex- exploit those those weaknesses. So making sure that your weaknesses are, you know, shined up and making sure that you're focusing on those weaknesses just as much as you are those strengths because they're going to try to capitalize off your weakness. So we, uh, we're attacking more from a mental aspect um, and just making sure in the offseason that he's mentally good, healthy, just polishing up. We do a lot of polish up work, nothing too strenuous. So Ken, what I want to do now to wrap our show is I want to take you through my two minute drill and just ask you some fun questions. Are you ready? Sure, I'm ready. All right. My first question is when you were 10 years old, what did you want to be when you grew up? I wanted to play in the NFL. How about who would play you in a movie about your life? Uh, my son, my nine-year-old son, Kason. That's a great choice. Yeah. Next question is what is your favorite vacation spot? Um, Cancun, Mexico. How about what is your favorite ice cream flavor while you're in Cancun? I like blue, bluebell homemade vanilla. Okay. Yeah. How about what is a pet peeve of yours? I'm scratching the chalkboard. Oh, I hate that. Yeah. Just cringe thinking about that. <laughs> Next question is what book are you currently reading or what podcast are you currently listening to? I have to get better with both of those. Books, I've, I've started 10 books and <laughs> did get back to any. Um, I think the traveling played a factor in that. The Seven Habits book was one that I was recently reading that I didn't get back to. Um, I, I read my daily devotions, but just getting into just finishing a book, that, that, that's on my, on my checklist. Sure. Well, you've been traveling quite a bit, so. Yeah. That, should be, that should be the time I, I read more, but I'll get to it. My last question is you're hosting a dinner party and you can invite three famous people, living or deceased. Who would you choose and why? Um, first, I'll invite Nick Saban, for sure. Great choice. Nick is definitely going to be there. You know, I feel that Nick could help run my household. Kobe Bryant, for sure, just his, his take on the game. Then I have to ask somebody young in there. I'll say, uh, I don't want to be biased. I don't want to say LeBron. I know everybody's going to say LeBron. I'll say LeBron. I'll go with LeBron. The reason being is because I, I, can, I use him as an analogy for a lot of my young kids. It's like um, LeBron, just as much as he's liked, he's hated. He's hated because he don't. It's not because he do things wrong. It's because he do everything well. So they have to find something to talk about. Um, so it's like, you know, you want to be at this level, at this elite high level, um, it come with scrutiny by the media and by anybody who just want to compare you to Jordan or compare you to, to Kobe. I'll say LeBron. I'll bring those three in. And I think that'll be, man, that'll be amazing. Yeah, that would be a fantastic dinner party for sure. Three amazing people who know how to win, who know about success, who just know how to move the ball. And something I want to mention, I mean, to your point about LeBron, you know, I mean, when you are, when you're in the public eye and you're successful I mean, you're going to have haters along the journey and you just got to, you know, tune that out. And and I tell people, I'm like, if you're not getting haters along your journey, you're not playing big enough. Not doing so, it. Not doing yep. So can, how can people keep apprised of all the great stuff that you're doing? Where are you at on social media? Um, my social media, Instagram, Ken Anio Jr. Twitter, Ken Anio Jr. as well. Um, you'll find me being more active on Twitter. I tweet a lot about games that I'm watching and um, I retweet a lot of my high school kids that's getting a lot of exposure. 
Um, I try to keep my life private. I don't like even when I'm traveling, people don't know what I'm traveling for because, you know, you put too much out there and you give people something to to tear down, you know. So I try to keep as much as I'm doing. I, I do a whole lot. So I try to keep those things private to at least have a life outside of social media. So but those are the places you can find me. You'll find a lot of pictures on Instagram. You, you can kind of see what I do um, in a nutshell, you know, but it takes stuff like this to get to know who I am. Sure. And we'll be sure to have all of those social links in the show notes so people can keep up with you. And, you know, you don't have to post everything on social media. I mean, I think people feel like they have to show everything and you don't. Right. Right. No, not at all. Not at all. So I would encourage people to go, you know, follow you, check you out, see all the great work that you're doing that you do share and appreciate you, you know, coming on the show. So thank you so much for being with us today, Ken. Absolutely. I appreciate you having me. I definitely enjoyed it. And thank you to everyone for listening. If you found this episode to be of value, I hope you'll share it with somebody else. And also, if you have not already done so, hit that subscribe button so that you never miss a future episode. All right. We will catch you next time. Until then, make sure that you suit up, you show up, and you move the ball. Thank you for listening to Move the Ball. To see more about what I'm up to and how I can help you to move the ball, check out my website at www.getinsidethehuddle.com. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast so that you never miss an episode. And also join the Move the Ball Facebook group for even more content and to be a part of the Move the Ball movement.